Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. I'm your host, Michael Minkoff. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity, and in the last four years, we've given away more than $200,000 in sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to contribute to this sponsorship fund and or this podcast, please join our patron community today. It's really easy, and it starts at a dollar a month. That's only about 25 cents per podcast episode. So go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts to learn more. Justice and I had an opportunity to sit down with hip-hop artist Sho Baraka to talk about his work, how he's produced it, and how it's been received. In our wide-ranging conversation, we touch on sex and censorship within the Christian community, the necessity of patronage, and about modesty in a few forms. Unfortunately, we didn't ask him about Kanye West, so those of you who are waiting for us to talk about that, you'll have to wait just a little bit longer, but we'll get there very soon, I promise. For now, refresh your spirits with the wit and candor of this true and heartfelt poet. It was such a pleasure talking to show, and we hope you all enjoy it. Where did you say the narrative was recorded? Uh, Primarily in three spaces. One is a spot not too far from here called 800 East. Mm -hmm. Another spot was Murray Sound Lab. It's in in Mount Perrin Christian Church. Mount Mm -hmm. Perrin Christian School. Yeah, I know about that lab. Yeah. And then uh, at a guy's house named, uh, the dude who's the producer, his name is Jamie. He lives up in like Johns Creek. Yes. Sounds great. Yeah. Did you, did you have any dealings on the production for that in terms of like beat production and stuff like that? I would say yes, but I didn't really take, I didn't take any credit, like actual points, but yes. So for the most part, I would consider myself the executive producer. It's safe to say all of the songs I drove the feel, and I would say, hey, I want this to have a, kind of like a, a blues feel. I want this song to have a soul feel. And I was like, oh, it would be great if we had a horn that played mm-hmm. something like this. And I didn't I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so they'd be like, oh. Oh, we got you. We got yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. They'd be like, is that a, what, is that a seat? What is that? It's like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. It's like Jesse. Yeah, you know, and he even does the hand things. It's like you don't have to do that. <laughs> exactly. It's like I'm all in there. It. It's like there'd be times I'd be like, yeah, I wanted to boom, 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 and they'd be like, is that a bass? Is that a drum? What? Like, I'm it's like, like, I don't, I don't know. know. You figure that. I think it's a bass, but maybe it's a drum. I don't know. So it'd be stuff like that. Um, even some samples too. Like we would create samples, and I would like say, hey, let's create the sample so we can say this, or I would find a sample, and we would use it. So. The good thing is I try to let the people who are experts do what they do best yeah. and just give suggestions. And even when they were like, that's not going to work, show, I just, all right, cool. Let me shut up and let them do what they do. That's hard for artists to get to that point, man. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard when you're working with people that you don't think are talented, in my opinion. When you're working with people who are great, you know, I think you learn quickly. Like, I think the most best artists should know like, what their, where their limitations are. And I know that may be hard for actual artists who play mm-hmm. and also sing, but being that I don't play anything, I think it's easy for me to, you know, to find a spot where I'm like, okay. Especially when I'm trying to do intricate music, it's not just beat making, it's not mm-hmm. just a loop. Right. It's like, hey, can we pull in these four different instruments? Mm-hmm. And it's full composition. Yeah, and I don't know how to write music, 
And so I have people around me who do. And when we say, like, man, I really want this 70s soul feel to it. Like they're listening to like Stevie Wonder, mm. but like in Stevie Wonder got a peek into the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what that sound like? Right. I think it'll sound like this. And I'm like, eh, maybe, and then they'll, they'll find it. So I trust it, I just trust them. You work with a lot of the same people that you used to work with. I was just about with. to ask that. What yeah. kind of turnover is that? The same. I work with the same the same four guys that produced my last three albums. Okay. So that was the same with Reach and with Humble Beast? And no, not Reach. Not just Reach. my last three albums have been all independent right. or Humble Beast. But. Mm-hmm. So Talent the Tenth was independent. Narrative is Humble Beast. And then I'm just including so many feelings just because you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. But those three albums. So why wouldn't you include yeah, it? Yeah, I was about to say, no, that's a Because it's not a, it's not a solo album. It's, uh, okay. Oh, right, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a collaborative album. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. How, how collaborative was it? I was curious about that. Because there were times Extremely when Extremely collaborative. It's like, and also I would say that it wasn't, um, is this part of the interview? Is this We're just going to go right into it. Okay. I was like, I, was like I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> this, is, this is how uh, we do this. This is actually how it always goes because we sit down, we just end up yeah. start talking. It's like, we'll jump in somewhere. No, that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> is um, this on the record? <laughs> um, the question was what again? How collaborative, how collaborative was, was so oh. many feelings? Um, no, it was extremely collaborative. So there's three of us. It was pretty much three of us. It was the producer, um, name is Nate the Beatbreaker. And he's a drummer, and so, and myself and then Vanessa Hill, who okay. is a singer-songwriter. And the way that we worked is there were days when we would all be together and we would just try to be as productive as possible in the studio, which oftentimes we weren't productive at all because we were just messing around, telling jokes and mm-hmm. act stupid. And there would be times when we had like our marching orders or to-do lists and right. we'd bring it back to the table and say, hey, here's a song concept. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, every song concept that was brought to the table was used. And if it wasn't used, it was only because we didn't have enough time to flesh it out. But... So there were times when listening to the album where it sounded like, and I might be totally wrong, but it sounded like sometimes... You're the, wrong. Okay. You're probably right. All right. Moving but on. It <laughs> Next like question. Sometimes the, the, the female vocals were singing lines that sounded like they had been written by a man. That the uh, case very, yeah, very possible. Okay. Very anything. It, so there's only two songs where I actually wrote the lyrics for her right. to say. Yeah. And I'm trying to. Th- I'm wondering if you're thinking about those two songs. Um, I don't know the names of the songs, and I, I don't remember. I'll the just lyrics. tell you. There's one song. Um, now he's gonna say, "Oh yeah, that's what <laughs> I heard." No, I, I'll be. I'll I be see and Ruby, um, because she's rapping. Yeah, yeah. I wrote, I mean, I wrote that whole song okay. and I tried my best not to make it sound like a guy writing for a woman. Talking about Ozzy and, Ozzy and Ruby? Ozzy and Ruby, it, the song we had a video for. Um, you can't say that was I don't it think now. that was, <laughs> I, okay, yeah. I don't think that was it, but I'm curious. And then the other song was uh, Thermostat. Thermostat. Thermostat, right. yeah. And Every other song sh- that where she said something, she wrote, wrote it. it. Yeah. And did she ever write your lines? Mm. No. Yes. Yeah, I'm, no. I was really curious about that whole thing because... She influenced some lines. Right. Because um, of something she would have said, and I was like, you know what, it would probably be better for me to change. Um, but, yeah, no. Nobody writes for me. 
right? I, don't, I do. Okay, I will not allow it. So I will not allow it. <laughs> I feel you. Was it weird uh, working on that record? So it's very intimate. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with that. Mm. That fight scene that you have in there. That was man, hilarious. Yeah. That was. It was intense. It kept going, and I was yeah. like, man, this is very realistic. Yeah. This feels very right. Yeah. Like, yes. this, yeah. this feels like something that would actually happen. Uh, I wanted that. Yeah. Well, so how did your how did your wife feel like listening? <laughs> she loves that album. I'm. I'm okay. She. That's her favorite album I've ever done. Like she loves it to the point where she um, mocks all my previous work to, <laughs> to 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 praise this album. I'm like, well, you don't have to. You don't have to. Put you them have to yeah, there are other ways to do exactly. This. Just praise this album. <laughs> so she, yeah, but she loves it. Um, she, the only problem she ever had with the album was me doing a music video with a woman who wasn't my wife. Right. Yeah. But other than that, and she would also. <laughs> affirm people's criticisms of me holding hands with another woman on the album cover, even though it was an illustration. Illustrated, yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She never said it herself, but like if we were in a gathering and someone, and someone like, else said that, she was like, I don't like the fact that she was holding hands with another woman. Oh, yeah. I was like, that wasn't me. That was an illustration, <laughs> was a people. That was a cartoon. <laughs> and they were like, well, I just don't like it. And she was just like, hmm. <laughs> You but, know what I think. Yeah, it was, <laughs> the, the, actually, the most awkward moment was we did a tour and we did a show here in Atlanta. And my wife was in the show. And so every other show we've done, it was like this, the chemistry on stage is just amazing. Like, you know, we vibe off one another. Um, it feels quite intimate without being inappropriate. Uh, and there's times we, have, we hold hands, we you know, sing and rap to each other. Uh, but when my wife was at the show, it was like none of that happened. <laughs> I don't even think I looked at her one time while we were on stage. Like, it was just like this one spot. I was looking, like, exactly. Like I was looking away and I was in the rafters. I was like, Lord help me. I just like, I don't even acknowledge another person on the stage right now. Yeah. I and understand. They were both, at the end of the show, the band and her were both like, your wife could never come to another show after this. Because that was terrible. Oh, it just felt terrible. That's so interesting. So, yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite albums too yeah, uh, like that you've done. I really like a lot of the, it's lot of the songs on there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough in the right way, though. Well, also, like, it's fun. Date Night is great. Yeah. It's a really fun track. Yeah. And I like, I like the sex songs, too. I think those are good. Thank you. Yeah. I hate when people act like they don't like the sex song. No, I love the sex song. It's just so funny. This is, this There's is, some great lines in there. Thank you. <laughs> so this is the funny thing about this. Is the, this is the funny thing about this. Like, nobody ever talks about it publicly. Yeah. But if you go on iTunes, you can see it's one of the most listened to songs. Yeah. Got him. You, <laughs> <laughs> you, it's, like, it's like pornography. It's yeah. like nobody admits to watching it, but right. it's like... Somebody's watching it. I mean, people, it's like... Or McDonald's. Right, exactly. It's like, it's like, That's it's Jim Gaffigan. Gaffigan. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, it's all right. You can steal Jim Gaffigan. He's, <laughs> he's hilarious. Side note, so Jim Gaffigan is like one of my favorite comedians. Yeah. And newly introduced into my pantheon of like great comedians is uh, Nate Bargatze. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Just hilarious. Dave Chappelle's always on me first, but mm -hmm. now it's like Nate Bargatze's creeping up there now. He's yeah. creeping up. So the sex songs. You feel like people just kind of avoid affirming. When we did them at concert, this is a good thing about the tour. <laughs> Everybody starts looking down. <laughs> some people do. Some people act, and then there were people who were very just like comfortable yeah. in their skin, like married couples uh, or dating couples, and people who were there and just they were here to have a good time. 
that was the one thing about the tour. We didn't get the number, like we didn't get the numbers because most people who, I didn't get the numbers that I would usually get at a concert because the people who came were usually folks who were either married or dating mm -hmm. or just really excited about the album. Mm -hmm. right. um, but folks who were single didn't feel like the album was for them. Or, mm -hmm. and, I, you know, and I get it, but I, you know, I tried my best to communicate that that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. So at the show, for the most part, there were always good responses when we did the song. And uh, even to the point where some couples would get up and dance and you know, enjoy themselves. And then we would have these little skits or conversations in between songs and stuff, and that was always funny and engaging as well. But I think that song also, also came before the fight, because mm -hmm. the way we would do it is somewhat of the trajectory of the album, mm -hmm. where it's all good, happy, 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 fight. Yeah. And then reconciliation. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But it, most people kind of connected to the fight. They were just like, yeah. And the, the women would be cheering for the, you know, yeah, Vanessa her part and the fellas would be like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was really interesting how you framed that, that they needed their friends still. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people looking at marital relationships, it's like, you guys got to work this out and you're kind of on your own. But I think in practical terms, most of the time, if you've got a problem with your wife and you can't talk to your wife about it, you need somebody. I mean, that's the church, yeah, right? Right. As yeah. far as at least part of what the church is there for is like yeah. help yeah. and accountability. Not only do you need somebody, but you need someone who's going to like tell you the truth. Yeah. And I think that's what I was trying to communicate is that too often we have people in our circles who just tell us what we want to hear. Mm -hmm. And, all, and, you know, I've seen, I've had some, some close friendships uh, ruined because of divorce and because of me attempting attempt, attempting to tell the truth in a situation. <laughs> <laughs> I think you me, just made a beat. Yeah, <laughs> me attempting to tell the truth in a situation and they didn't like that. And their marriages were ruined because they wanted me to, you know, lie. Or their marriages were ruined because they didn't heed the advice of the people who were around them trying to let them know, like, look, the trajectory you're on is not a helpful or beneficial trajectory. And so, right. but they, you know, kept to their own wisdom and you know, they, they ended up making decisions that I don't think anybody was excited about. And I don't even think that they were excited about, but they just felt like this was the only, only reasonable move point. and option that I could make. And uh, what I was hoping to do is just say, like, let's be more, one, authentic about how we feel in the moments. But, you know, to, if we can't tell the individuals that we're in covenant commitment to, then tell people who you are close to and try to exercise those those ideas with those folks so mm -hmm. it's just helpful it's helpful to have an outside perspective too you know i'm not like that am i well you actually are. you kind of are right. you kind of right. are like that right. actually yeah yeah, yeah so. i want to get back to to sex uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love talking about sex so. I, yeah, no but good. for real mm -hmm. why is it why is it so hard for the church to talk about sex and i think it's even gotten better for the church to talk about sex but but uh, including sex in your art is like still a leap that we're having a that's really hard time right? to make. Yeah. And that seems bizarre to me because you have a whole book in the Bible dedicated to, to sex, like the Song of Solomon. You have this yeah. beautiful But none of that is like sex is happening all throughout the Bible too. Yeah. It's just, I, and obviously it's are, not just that. Right. But like in all of the Bible, right. you have like in the New Testament, we're told there are so many more of Jesus's works that they just fill up. So we're just going to condense it. This is all we. Mm -hmm. This is all we're going to record. And in God's wisdom, the Bible that He did leave us, He didn't include all of those things that Jesus said and did. But He did make room for the Song of Solomon. 
Right. It's like, why is it so important? Why mm-hmm. are we using this much ink in the Bible for an intimate sex song? And the culmination is a marriage too. I mean, like the culmination of the whole Bible narrative is the is the marriage feast of the lamb and his bride. So you're kind of like, this seems like a big deal yeah, throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal with Christians like, not? I think it's a lot of. I think the prudishness of like uh, Protestantism and uh, I think Western identity is wrapped in this false like modesty and uh, and in order to divorce yourself from kind of the to do, in order to divorce yourself from the licentiousness of the world you probably overreach in a mm-hmm. lot of ways mm-hmm. um, for instance not necessarily related but related in some ways there are a lot of churches especially black churches who have a problem with hip hop. And even if you're considered a Christian hip hop artist, they don't support you because of what they think they've seen hip hop do to their communities, right? right? And so rather than understanding how to use this tool as a way to reach and educate, and also seeing the benefit of what hip hop has done, even in a secular sense or a mainstream sense, they just say, you know, let's shun it all together mm-hmm. and not embrace it at all. Well, you're losing the culture in doing that. And in the same way that the church loses is losing the culture uh, and in some ways if you want to I, I hate this term but the culture war around sex whether it be uh the 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 gaining or the the building authority around kind of like the lgbt community mm-hmm. and uh and just different sexual movements is because the church has been so skittish and how they want to, how they talk about it, and how they right. view it, and now we don't celebrate it, and uh, the lack of po- poetry around it. Like it's a beautiful thing. It's like the one thing that people think about a million times a day. It's one of the most important things to us. However, we don't know how to m- manipulate and maneuver around it, and we don't even know how to talk about it. No, and so therefore, um, you know, rather than failing in our conversations. Just say, you know, let's not talk about it at all. And so people get educated in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so... And not good ones. Often. Absolutely not. <laughs> and so, uh, therefore, those folks who do talk about it, whether it be poetic or beautiful or, or you know, detrimental, we'll just learn from them and we'll get it from them. And we fail that way. And I think that's, I think it's dangerous. Sorry to interrupt. I want to take just a moment to thank all of our Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. Without your help, we literally couldn't afford to keep doing this. I want to offer a special thanks to our newest supporters. We've had a bit of a break while I hammer out Jesse Murray's new album, Trail of Tears, but you all have just kept on pledging. So here's a big thank you to Abigail Johnston, Lauren Midgley, and Chris Isaac, and I'll be getting to the rest of you fine people in our next episode. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to contribute to this podcast and this movement, please join our patron community today at patreon.com forward slash renew the arts. We would also like to extend a warm thank you to John Hines and his team at Centerform Atlanta for allowing us to use their space to record this podcast episode with Show Baraka. If you'd like to learn more about Centerform and how they use their shared workspace to serve their local community in Atlanta, visit centerform.org.
there, there, was a, there was a moment in your career where this was made painfully obvious, if I remember correctly. I can't remember which album, but... The narrative. It was the narrative that had the word penis in it. Mm -hmm. And that it got... Did it actually get pulled? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, tell us. My penis what? didn't get pulled. <laughs> 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 the album got pulled. Did Let's it just get pulled? That's a good be one. Be very clear. Uh, right. um, the album got pulled. The album got pulled from uh, Lifeway. Yeah. Gotcha. And... Yeah, it was just all it was just a circus. But um, they, was there much of a conversation there that happened? No, we got a we got an email saying like, "Hey, we got complaints, and we will no longer carry this album, and you guys owe us this amount of money." What? Yep. Are you so? We weren't even. I wasn't even. What, what was the money that was owed? Like, was it sales that they had? So already? basically, what they do is they they buy. Um, albums in order to distribute dis distribute through their stores uh, and so they'll take 5,000 CDs gotcha. right? and they'll say well we're going to sell these 5,000 CDs well they're like well because we're pulling this we're going to send them back to you yeah. and we're asking is there you something to contractually obligating y'all to get them back because it had the word yeah. penis in it it was like well a line not a that but there is a there is a contract that you sign with the distribution saying hey in case you know if the these particular companies hold the right to refuse in case of like if there's a legitimate reason gotcha. um and so did you think that was a legitimate reason i'm absolutely not uh i'll say this though um not that i don't think lifeway deserves the ridicule they did so we didn't get a notice we just got an email saying this this is what happened a friend of mine got a hold of it he heard about it told one of the editors at Washington Post, Washington Post wrote an article about it. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. And so it was like... I read that article. It was crazy. Like, this <laughs> happened like two months after it actually, they actually sent us an email. Uh -huh. So I, I, knew they, I knew it was going to happen because they called me and asked me for my thoughts. And um, I was like, okay. Well, no, it's funny. They were doing an actual, they were doing an article about me for something else. Really? And then when they heard about it, they were like, hey... We want to switch it up and turn, and yeah. so this is the headline. Yeah. So I will say this: um, the one redeemable act that Lifeway um, displayed in all of this is that they said, "Don't you don't have to pay us back for the removal of the albums because of." But that was because of. They only said that after the article. Yes, after the article. Interesting. After all of everybody was. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Is it Lifeway that just recently closed their yeah. doors? Yeah. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that Lifeway pulled Rachel Held Evans' book for saying vagina, which is yeah. Funny. So because like the vagina, of Rachel Held Evans, and then you got Joe Baraka's penis, <laughs> like penis and vagina. There was like a little Twitter club that There's kind of theme. formed. <laughs> I never really engaged in it because I just didn't want to be. I don't like to see anybody fail. Yeah. But there was like a a Twitter club of different folks who got banned from Lifeway. That was <laughs> it. Was like what the day that they the day that they announced their closing. I literally uh, saw like 200 mentions in my mm. Twitter feed, and it was all these folks uh -huh. who were like referencing like myself, Rachel, mm. and different folks who got banned. It was like, hey, you got banned, and they deserve it. And I was like, man, I don't know if I would say they deserve it. Right. I mean, their business practices that were poor, you know, that may be somewhat consequential, it. but mm. like I said, I don't, I don't cheer for their failure. But yeah. I will also say this. Yeah. There's different departments in Lifeway, right? So there's the marketing, or not the marketing, but there's the retail, which is who I was dealing with. You also have like publishing and curriculum as well. And so between those three departments, um, the other two departments actually reached out to me and was like, man, we hate that this is happening. Mm. You know, gotcha. we're, we're, we're sorry, we apologize. 
the retail department, I actually had conversations with the people. And they, um, the guy, I mean, you know, I get it. He's doing his job, but he still could have changed his mind. He made a terrible decision, but anyway. Yeah. Without celebrating Lifeways closing their doors, um, and I agree that, you know, you don't want to celebrate anyone's failure, but what, what might that mean, though, as far as, like, uh, you know, I think it does means, it mean something? Yeah, it means, it means a couple things. People aren't purchasing from brick and mortar, and so, honestly, I didn't understand why my album was in Lifeway in the first place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just, I think that's the mismanagement of individuals who are trying to get sales in places where they're not really thinking about the demographic. Right. Um, I think that's one. I think, two, if we're talking about just the ethos of America right now, Lifeway in a lot of ways represents somewhat of a very traditional kind of like stuffy, culture and i think even people who are somewhat conservative and orthodox in their thinking are moving away from that 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 culture you know what i mean like the fundamentalist exactly like the very fundamentalist culture the culture that doesn't talk about sex right absolutely you say the word penis absolutely and so i think that is an indictment on just maybe the zeitgeist you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's just more it's more of that than i think um that lifeway itself may be like this may be some karma, <laughs> but I do think that this is something that all artists need to think about. That, like, who are you marketing to? Where do you get your sales? Is it if you're pre- predominantly making money or uh, are getting influence through CCM markets? Um, five to ten years from now, what, what does that look like? What kind of like you know? Are you performing in, in, at festivals? Are you performing at conferences? Are you performing at mega churches? Are you a small club artist? And you have to think through how digital sales have changed, not only like just literature for like a Lifeway, but also sales of music. Mm-hmm. Like where are people gonna purchase, how are people purchasing and how are you gonna make money and how are you gonna get your product to people? Right. Yeah, and I think the closing of a Lifeway is just a confirmation that we're in a new era of consumer to you know, artist relationship and transaction. Yeah, one of the things that we're trying to do trying to see the writing on the wall that that might be, um, is as a nonprofit, mm. develop a patron community that actually yeah. upfront supports artists. And you know, our podcast listeners have heard this, but I'd like to get your perspective on that as far as an alternative model. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the church historically has led in the arts, but certainly not recently, not in the United States. And we've kind of stepped out of culture making, stepped out of, you know, trying to, the church as a whole, you know, is not very good at leading culturally. But there's this really interesting critical moment where digital distribution has changed the game entirely. Mm -hmm. And it almost makes it impossible for 99% of the artists that are even making good work to make a good, like a really good living doing it. our conclusion, and I'd love to get your thoughts yeah. and perspective on this, our conclusion is, well, patronage. Yeah. We need patrons who are willing to invest in it up front and not make artists rely on the market model because A, it's hard to make money, and B, that doesn't produce the best work. Yeah. If you look around at what's most supported, who's making the most money in music or film, it's not necessarily the most lasting or edifying Absolutely. work. So moving the whole conversation or just the whole model back, especially for the church right now, take advantage of it, move back to patronage where all of a sudden 
the church is the one supporting the 99% of the artists who yeah. make it, who are making really great work. So there's a couple things. I'll say first, I do think the church is, I won't say it's leading in culture making, but it does, it definitely engages in culture making. The problem is it doesn't engage in the culture making that we probably wanted to engage mm -hmm. in. It creates its own culture. And mm -hmm. so if you can think about, if there are different silos of Christian communities, if you, if just to make a broad stroke, if there's like black evangelical, white evangelical, and maybe another type of, they have their own worlds that they, they create for. And then you have like this mainstream market who they don't engage with for the most part. You may have mm -hmm. a couple people who step out of that tribe and go to the metropolitan and it's like, hey, I'm here and I wanna talk to you about the unknown God. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they're, they're, they're serving their own cultures. Um, and they're gonna continue to do that as long as it's profitable for them. So you don't need, like I realized I don't need, I didn't need to step away from the Christian um, kind of market uh, because I was making enough money to tour, travel, and get influenced just doing the, the youth group circuit. Mm -hmm. But there was a point where I was like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just not content in this because this is not me. This is not the audience I want to reach. And this is not, and the music that I make is going to be informed by the people I'm in front of uh, or vice versa. So if right. I, you know, I make the kind of music that I want, the type that it will kind of be a clarion call for the people. So that's the first thing, um, just to kind of like give you my thoughts on that. The second thing is, is absolutely, um, we need people to move towards a patronage model because for me, it's just a personal anecdote. Um, I think the narrative is my best work, but I don't think it's my best work by mistake. I think it's my best work or by osmosis or just, I just stumbled upon it. I think it's my best work is because when, in the process of making an album, I didn't have to worry about making money is because I had a, I had a job um, that was very you know, liberating. And in the process of working this nine to five, I can create music. Mm. And because I didn't have to worry about this album selling or I didn't have to worry about uh, people liking this album, I was just like, I'm just gonna make the album I really, really, really wanna make. There you go. And, um, and I think that liberates people. And I think the more you find folks make, you know, who take those type of risks and, and make that type of music, there'll be more fans who are like, thank you. Exactly. Because I was so sick of listening to that garbage. Like, you know, um, I love, I mean, I would love for someone, it's like the idea of a MacArthur grant, right? Mm -hmm. you, you find a genius and you're like, I don't know, care what you do. Here's just a bunch of money. Yeah. Exactly. Do, do some it. amazing stuff. And that's like how we actually try to organize yeah. our sponsorship because uh, within the sponsorship, and this is what, you know, it's gonna be really hard I think the church is understanding we need to engage culture better and mm -hmm. produce culture better, mm -hmm. but it's going to be really hard to actually do. Yeah. And one of the things that we it really intentionally hit that right out of the gate is that any project we sponsor, the artist has the final say. Here, this is what I was going to say. It's hard for, and I appreciate you saying that, because it's hard for an artist to trust the church, and vice versa. It's hard for the church, the church to trust artists as well, but I think it's more so like the artist has some trepidation and they're dealing with the church because there's no incentive for me to, like what is the incentive for me? Like has, does the church have a long history of allowing me to, to really tell the truth about humanity mm -hmm. and to communicate music that I believe is gonna really make a dent in the, you know, in the, in the trajectory of time? The answer is because, not in recent history. No, because for not the most part, recent. you want us, the church wants us to make music 
that is worshipful and that even in itself has its very narrow kind of like absolutely yeah. anchor to it as it like hard to pull it's like what does that mean what is worship music like you know so or something that they feel is very safe for the you know family. the whole family and so <laughs> not every artist is called to do that not our, not every artist is shaped to do that some people get get snatched out of their darkness in like in some very, very they get snatched out of some very 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 dark places mm -hmm. and to say like we don't want you to talk about that to me is a is a disservice to god and how beautiful he is and, and he snatches like to think of the like like when we talked about the bible and sex like there are some heinous things that are done in the bible yeah, heinous. and it's a shame that christians can't even can't produce can't some of the stuff that it. the Bible talks about right. because well, talk, they're yeah. afraid that they just need a PG or a G mm -hmm. rating. Like there's some rated R stuff that's mm -hmm. happening in the scriptures. Very. And so that's why I love Flannery O'Connor is when I like read her stuff, I'm just like, she's so ding, dark. Ding, ding, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And it's beautiful because I'm like, it's refreshing to know like, though she was a Catholic, but still it was like, and I think that's the difference between Protestant and Catholic too. I think Catholics take a little bit more risk um we have a lot of thoughts on why that might be yeah yeah uh, i wrote a whole they section take, they take the sacrament in a really different way they're sacramental they see got you uh so they, the material see, is charged with spiritual significance actually mm -hmm. and, it, yeah, and you yeah, know yeah, protestants yeah. are all this is a sign yeah you know, it doesn't actually mean it anything points physically to something right. it points to a reality this isn't real yeah. this is or this gotcha. is or whatever yeah, this right, is what's right, real right, right. But Catholics are like, no, 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 no. It's, this it's is actually tangible. I can yeah. feel it. I can yeah. feel it. Yeah. And that's why Flannery O'Connor was such a great author. Yeah. She said that, you know, uh, great authors are the ones that just can see reality for what it actually right. is. Uh -huh. And Protestants are going to say good artists are the ones that see spiritual reality for what right. it is. And she's like, right. no, no, no. You see the spiritual only through the physical. Yeah. yeah. She's and beautiful. I love it's it. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, That's we've great. noticed that a lot within the church, too, in terms of the, the dichotomy between the spiritual and the material. And the way that that actually affects artists, I'd say, is you, you have to make a choice mm -hmm. as an artist. You have to make a choice. Am I going to talk about real things? Am I going to talk about material things? Am I going to talk about actual things? Mm -hmm. Because if I do, uh, people are not going to be happy about it. Right. Like, it's really, I, I remember going to a Baha'i, do you know Baha'i? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I remember going to a Baha'i meeting one time when I was uh, in my 20s, and they were all talking about love and, and peace and, mm -hmm. and unity and, and really great things. But as soon as I was asking, yeah, but what does that mean? Yeah. Like, what does it mean? If there's conflict, mm -hmm. like, how do you achieve peace? Right, right, right. And it's like, there's no, there's no, it's like, shh, that, mm -hmm. you're, you're ruining the peace. It's you're like, no, I'm trying conflict. to talk about how to make peace, peace how to make you, reconciliation. Peace is the byproduct of violence like you yeah. resort to peace because something egregious has happened right like that's a, you don't make peace it's, yeah it's the sum peace. exactly yeah. it's yeah. like there's some conflict exactly something. Peace, what's going on you love because you have the inclination to dislike or hate right and yeah. so i have to be proactive and charging this to something that is like ah there's something within me that just does not want to love you right what is it about that person or that thing and let's talk about that thing like, right you know what i mean but that gets particular yeah it people has don't to do that it has but to people don't want to get particular no and talking about you know the artists that do get particular the artists that are particular enough to acknowledge the reality of a fallen world or difficult things or darkness or even just sex in a good way you know the mm -hmm. ones who are willing to like one of the things we talk about all the time is if the psalmist david showed up today how would the church receive him? Like, mm -hmm. would he be a worship pastor? Mm -hmm. And if, like, would he bring his songs to the church 
And would they be like, yeah, let's sing that? Yeah. Or like, would he have stuff on Lifeway's shelves? You know, right, or would right, he right. have stuff? You know, how would the psalmist David be received? And what does that mean about the artists that we support today? I think absolutely not. I think the world. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because I think uh, the 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 election of Donald Trump is is the allegorical kind of like representation of them wanting to saw, mm-hmm. right? Mm. And, and God gives you mm. all the consequences of, look, look, this is what happens when you- You requested it. When you want this type of individual. Are you sure you leader. want this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you sure you want this? And so I think we're a very outward focused kind of people. Um, David had his flaws, obviously, but I think there are th- certain qualities about Saul that was quite appealing to people, and they were like, "He's going to keep our, he's going to keep our nation the way we want it to be." And it's, uh, he's going to get, he's going to like when other when I look at other nations, they'll envy us, right? Or he'll represent us in a way that is appeasing to the eye. And yeah. I think that's what America has done. I think America is, I think, for the most part, even um, Christianity in general has forfeited a lot of our our right to have any kind of moral sense, like. Mm-hmm. high ground on any it's just and in a lot of ways it's, it's somewhat refreshing too because now you really believe what you believe or you have to know why you believe what you believe when I go in places I no longer assume people are are one for the most part I believe that they are they have an aversion to Christianity and faith and so as I'm talking I just can't use Christian language Christianese right there's always like this presuppositional understanding that I have to approach it with like why do I believe what I believe? What is the truth about an issue? And how do I approach that without leaning on a scripture? Because it's like, well, it is because the Bible said so. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's like, what is the truth and the principle behind this? And why is this beneficial for everybody? Not just someone who believes in Jesus, but this is beneficial for the world because... And you I think can that's see the, it in the world. I have a question, though, because <laughs> yeah. you keep bringing up sex. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you, would you... Because I've become very... A li- liberal in my in my view. <laughs> liberal. I, liberal. I was gonna say lean. I just said, um, and how I view like um, nudity and so I had a guy that I met who at a it was a Christian event and uh, he did a video that had like it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful and it was tastefully done, but he had like a lot of nudity in his video. And a lot of the sponsors were like, well, you know, I don't know if we can. Yeah. And but when you watch it, because I was like, show me the video. I want to see yeah, his yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and I watch it, and I'm like, first of all, it was like extremely tasteful. But it was almost like seeing some, you know, some uh, kind of medieval painting of a nude body. It wasn't, it wasn't like egregious or salacious in any way. How do you feel about mm-hmm. vulgarity and like and nudity and stuff like that in Christian art? Let's answer that. But first, let's take a break because we're going to end the main podcast episode here. We've got to throw it to our sponsors, Trojan. (laughs) 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 Thanks for uh, sponsoring our uh, gatherings. uh, uh, We have have extended conversations just for our Patreon supporters Mm -hmm. and and sponsors, not sponsors, but our our backers. So we're going to answer that question in that context in an extended conversation. So we'll wrap this one up. Thanks for listening, everybody. I do want to know if you could wrap this up with one of your songs that we, if you give us permission to. 
shouldn't ask you this on the spot. Just to play a song or something? To play a song on the podcast okay. and wrap it all up. What do you think we should end this with for the, the sex for, song? Let's do the sex song. Let's end it with the, the sex song. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Like, enjoy it. I forgot the name of it that quick. Uh, <laughs> but they know. You know what a song I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. Roll tape. We are two becoming one, that's a proper equation You've been giving me all the signals, but I'm patiently waiting Eyes on me from across the room Why you gotta be so nasty? Why you gotta-